Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. It's one thing to feel disconnected from more traditional death and burial practices. It's another to have had those traditional practices outlawed. In 1882, the U.S. federal government made it illegal for Native communities to practice their funeral rituals. This ban came after years of genocide, land theft, and other settler colonial actions meant to eliminate Native people in what is now known as the United States. This attempt to ban people from being able to care for the bodies of their family and community members also happened to African Americans who were enslaved. The systematic attempt to cut people off from funeral practices says a lot about whose life was valued and who deserved to be honored in their death. These oppressive policies added trauma to what is already a heartbreaking time of grief. Trauma and grief that still exists today. The Native Wellness Institute, founded in 2000, works to heal this trauma and provides supportive environments for grief to be acknowledged and attended to. Their mission, and I'm quoting here from their website, is to promote the well-being of Native people through programs and trainings that embrace the teachings and traditions of our ancestors. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, Native Wellness Institute's work primarily happened on the ground in communities throughout North America. But starting in March of last year, they, like so many other organizations, had to get really creative about how to support their communities in the virtual realm. They started hosting Native Power Hours every day at noon on Facebook Live. These power hours provide support and information on health, healing, and wellness. For this episode, I got to talk with their executive director, Jeline Joseph. We talk about her early experiences with grief, how she and her Native Wellness Institute team define wellness, what it means to take a healthy risk in grief, and how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting the communities she works with. Jeline, thank you so much for joining me on Grief Out Loud today. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. So let's start. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my name is Jeline Joseph, and I am from the Aani people. So in our language, Aani means white clay. And uh, my people come from Fort Belknap, Montana, which is in north central Montana. The federal government actually calls this Grovant, which is a French word. Um, and I live here in Oregon, and I'm the executive director of the Native Wellness Institute. And the Native Wellness Institute is a national nonprofit. The IRS calls us a nonprofit organization, and we like to call ourselves a social profit um, organization <laughs> because the work that we do is benefiting um, our people and benefiting society as a whole. And Jeline, remind me, how long have you been the executive director at Native Wellness Institute? 
Well, we were founded in 2000. So last year, um, in the middle of everything, pandemic and fires and all that, we were celebrating our 20th anniversary. So I was one of the founders of the organization. And in 2005, I became the executive director. Well, I'm just, I'm grateful for the work that you do. And just wondering for you, you know, what experiences have you had with grieving the death of someone in your life? And also wondering, like, what were you taught or shown about grief growing up? Things that were helpful and maybe things that weren't as helpful or supportive. Well, one interesting thing about tribal people, you know, because of racism and oppression and that contributes to you know, health disparities and all different kinds of disparities in, in our communities. So what that also contributes to is lots of death. Lots of Native people experience death from early ages, you know, whether it's family members or um, community members or, you know, friends, um, their family members. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I mean, I was like 10 when my grandfather passed away, as an example. And then, and then later, I mean, have had significant deaths just in, just in my own family through grandparents, um, cousins, and, you know, and in our communities are like our cousins, for example, are really like siblings, right? Like our families are very close. And um, so we've, we've, our family has experienced um, a lot in those experiences and the things that we're taught, like, in our culture, as an example, uh, we're taught that death is a part of life. And in spite of the lasting impacts of colonialism, those protocols and those grieving processes um, are still there. That changes by family to family, right? And even by community to community, those, um, those protocols change. And it, and it depends on um, how the family or how the community or how the tribal nation held on to those practices through colonization, right? Because literally at one point they were outlawed uh, the way that we grieve and bury our people and, and all of that. So when you speak of protocols, you're talking about like the rituals and the routines that an individual or a family might or a community might engage with after someone dies as a way to honor and memorialize them. Yeah, definitely. So the protocols from like the moment that person dies or like it might be sudden, but it might, but it might not be sudden. Like you might know and have time to prepare. Right. So all the protocols that you do that, um, that helps that person and helps the ones that are left behind, like to grieve and move through this. So it's like from that moment until the time, like the burial happens and even after the burial, you know, those protocols and things that happen, you know, that are different for every family or every tribal nation. Do you remember how your family talked with you about your grandfather's death when you were 10? Well, my family has always been really open um, around death and been open about even talking about it. Where I come from, we have our own you know, like family cemetery, like where, like where we're buried at and, you know, things like that. And when we have family gatherings, I mean, it's, it's like right there, you can, you can see it, you know? And so it was just very open. And the other thing I remember from a young age is just the amount of love and honor and care that goes into that time, you know, um, and how 
you know, the ceremony, if you will, that happens during that time is to pay our respect to the loved one that has passed, but it's also for us and it's to help our grieving, right? So so I, I remember that from, from a young age as well. Everybody has a role and, and something to do and contribute. And, and when you're younger, you just kind of like do these things. And then when you're older and you you learn more or you can think more, I mean, it's really to to help our grieving through, you know, through everything. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That sometimes as a kid, you're just like, okay, this is what I do. I carry this thing from here, or I hand this to this person. And as you're older, as you grow older, you can reflect on like, what's the meaning of that actual action or that ritual that you've um, been part of. Mm-hmm. So thinking about rituals and routines and, and protocols and how during this COVID-19 pandemic, so many things have had to shift for public health reasons and and other restrictions. Uh, When you and I talked previously, you'd mentioned that you had just attended a funeral for a cousin that had happened virtually. And just wondering if you could speak a little bit about that and what it was like. Yeah. So because of COVID and, you know, the lockdowns and things like that, we weren't able to go to his funeral. And so thankfully, like because of Zoom, we were able to attend. That was my first time you know, ever attending a funeral via Zoom, you know, but I was grateful for that opportunity and grateful for when we, when we do burials, our funerals, the burial is like included in those, in those protocols, right? And so it was outside, you know, his service was outside at the graveside. And um, so we got to be there for all of that. So the people that were there were safe, you know, it was, of course, it was sad. And it was also beautiful. And um, we were all of us that tuned in, like we were grateful that we had the opportunity to still like be there, but, you know, be there virtually. We knew he was passing. And so probably a month before he passed, we also because of Zoom, we were all able to gather and just have our last words with him and, and tell him all the things that we wanted to tell him. And that was really beautiful. Jillian, something you said made me start thinking about what the long range impact of all of the ways we've had to get creative and innovative in this last year of finding ways to come together, whether it's around memorializing or connecting with someone if they're dealing with an illness or just supporting a family member or a friend or community member in some way. And so I just was thinking about like, I wonder what elements of of what we've come to realize in this last year will continue forward in terms of, you know, prior to COVID, there may have been times where we couldn't travel to be at the gravesite with a family member. And now we can, you know, use our webcams and zoom in and just, I just wonder what, how that's going to affect us in the long term. Yeah, actually, we were just talking about this this weekend, because on Saturday, I hosted a baby shower for a friend all on zoom. And we had people from like four different time zones that were at the baby shower. (laughs) And it was like, we always talk about the blessings of COVID because if we had an in-person baby shower, like all those people wouldn't have been able to come. And, and I don't think before COVID, we never thought about using Zoom to bring in Zoom, you know, for uh, events and things like that. So I think after this, we'll, you know, people talk about like, hybrid approaches to going back to school or stuff like that. I think we're going to still have hybrid approaches to all kinds of things now, right? Like we're going to take the blessings of COVID and just bring them into post-COVID. Well, that that brings up another question for me. In 
And that, and thinking through, you know, you mentioned before that the, you know, the resonance of settler colonialism and the impact that had on, on your community around not having access to protocols or having things be illegal and being cut off from knowledge and information. And I'm wondering if you've seen anything in the last year with being able to connect with people so much more across of that knowledge being shared, particularly around the way that your community grieves and other communities grieve and and sort of that knowledge share. That was a really long way to get to the end of that question. (laughs) Wondering if you've seen like an increase in people being able to share and preserve practices and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, one example. So I live outside of my home tribal community. I'm involved locally in the local native community here. But for my tribal community back in Montana, we've been able to attend other gatherings and events because of Zoom. I mean, pre-COVID, you know, we'll travel and go back a lot because I have a lot of family there and things like that. But we've been able to attend meetings and support circles. We've been able to attend language classes because of COVID. And I think those are going to continue as well. So, you know, again, that's like another blessing of COVID. And because oftentimes um, when we're in a state of trauma, like all like the pandemic is trauma, right? And oftentimes we we focus on the deficit. And so that's why I always literally try to call out and say, this is a blessing. This is a blessing of COVID. This is a blessing of COVID. So there's been, you know, many blessings of COVID, um, including the cultural practices um, being shared and the other values, the other cultural values that have been have been able to be shared as well. In your work with Native Wellness Institute, I'm, I'm curious, what, what teachings have you received about how people grieve in different communities? And, and the second part of that question is wondering is, if, have you seen the ways that people grieve be shaped by the location, like the geography or um, the, geo- yeah, the geography and the history of the land of where they live? Well, the first part, the first part of it is how the tribes still maintain their practices, even when things were outlawed. So like, how did um, the people take their, their protocols and practices underground, basically, or they did them anyway, right? And that that is different across the board. And it really um, matters like when we talk about geography, um, for example, here in the West, we have many tribes that are a confederated, a confederation of many different tribes that are, that were put together, right? Like confederate tribes of Warm Springs or confederate tribes of Grand Ronde, as an example. And so sometimes all these tribes were just thrown together into one community. And then they were trying to figure out like how to maintain any kind of order with all different languages being spoke, different um, protocols and practices and things like that. So they had to sort through that and, and try to take those practices underground, you know. But the main part is like the, the tribes that have worked on their healing and worked on their sense of pride, their sense of um, place, you know, to, to, to continue with these practices, with these with the burial practices, with the grieving practices, all the ceremonies that take place, you know, during during that whole time. 
I don't know if I just made sense. Like I, I can, I can hear it in my mind. And, and then I'm also trying to be like respectful of not giving too much details or information because those are very, you know, like just like sacred things, right. That you don't just share on a podcast, mm-hmm. but the practices are there, right? Like the, the practices are there and, and people do them. And if the practices aren't there in a family, like what's happening, what I see happening and not necessarily because of COVID, but pre-COVID and during COVID are people reaching out and like, for example, not wanting a church service, but they want a traditional service. Like I see that, right? That's part of our healing as tribal people is getting back to our traditional ways of, of grieving. Jolene, at this point in your life, how do you relate to and understand the concept, the idea of grief and what it means? Well, you know, really my, my outlook on grief hasn't changed a lot because like the way it was described to me, even when I was small is like grieving is like moving through the sadness when, when somebody dies as an example, um, grieving is moving through the sadness when relationships end. Grieving is the sadness when, you know, we move away from friends or family, you know, so grieving isn't just about death, right? I mean, we often think of it in that context, but it's like, it's, it's much bigger than that. And so certainly I know, you know, we're, we're talking specifically about death here, but I've always looked at it that way. It's like moving through sadness, but the other part of it is that helps us is it's also a celebration of life. It's also about honoring life. It's also about paying that respect to the loved one that has passed. And, you know, in in many tribal cultures, when a person dies, one of the foundational teachings that it's okay to share is like, they now, regardless of their age at death, when they pass away, when they die, they now become an ancestor. And in that way, they're still there. Like we can still, you know, call upon them for help or we can still acknowledge them and things like that. And that one teaching right there is huge in terms of um, helping me personally, like through, through my grief, you know, through my sadness is thinking about they're, they're always there. The other thing that's been coming up a lot lately is thinking about grief on different levels, like individual grief, family grief, community grief, and then collective grief, entire cultures and the historical grief and how that impacts us in the now. And wondering, yeah, how do you relate to that idea? And and how does that show up maybe in in the work that you do with Native Wellness Institute? Well, the historical and the collective grief is in part why we exist as an organization. So when we look at um, historical and intergenerational trauma, you know, we're talking about the way our people thought and believed and behaved and lived, like pre-colonization, and then what happened after that. And so you have many people that talk about Indigenous people are the walking wounded, like we're still grieving from what happened, you know, back in the 1500s and 16, 17, 1800s, 1900s, even what's happening now, right? And it's like grief on top of grief on top of grief 
on top of grief, on top of grief, that grief is passed to the next generation on top of more grief and more grief and more grief. So really the reason we exist is because of that. And more importantly, we exist to help our people like um, dig through those layers and, and to heal because we know that loss, grief and loss and death and all of that is trauma. And we know that healing is the answer to trauma. So we know that there's historical and intergenerational trauma. And we also know that there's historical and intergenerational healing and there's historical and intergenerational wisdom that gives us the answers um, to, to move through that in a good way. So really that's why we exist and it's, and it's what we do. And so we help people like on the individual level, um, the family level, the community level. And, and really what we're trying to do is help people manage like the daily grief that they experience as well, whether that is racism or oppression or things like that. And when we look at, you know, this, this, we're in a pandemic, right, which is trauma, we're in a social justice revolution, which is also trauma, you know, here in, in our area, we've had the fires and smoke and, you know, all of these other things. So like we, we've had a lot. And then on top of that, because of COVID, you know, we've also had, you know, lots of grief. So because of some of these things, you know, COVID has really hit our community's heart. Like there's like here, right? Like this morning today, part of what we're dealing with is helping families where people have passed away, like today and yesterday and the day before, like, our community has really been hit hard and it and it's all tribal communities across the nation urban communities and and reservation communities as well so the word wellness you know i i think about wellness and you hear about the wellness industry <laughs> and there's other ways that that word has is used and what does it mean to you and how do you define wellness within the context of uh, of the native wellness institute yeah, that's a good question. So there is this huge wellness industry out there. What, how we describe it, we put the word native in front of it. So native wellness really means living in balance. And what that means is living in balance between our physical well-being, our mental well-being, our emotional well-being, and our spiritual well-being. So I know that, you know, out there in other communities, wellness, like, really focuses on, like, your physical fitness and things that you eat, Right. Um, which is a part of it, but there's also, you know, other parts that make up who we are, including the things that we think, right, our mental wellness, or the things that we feel, our emotional wellness, or our our spiritual um, beliefs and practices, and that's our spiritual well-being. So those three, plus our physical well-being, you know, together really makes up who we are. Even that related to grief, when we think about grieving, you know, what are you going to do for yourself physically? to help you to grieve? What are you going to do for yourself mentally to help you to grieve? What are you going to do for yourself emotionally to help you to grieve? And what are you going to do for yourself spiritually, you know, to help you to grieve? And an example, I know on a podcast, people can't see, but you can see behind me, I have this, I have this blanket that's on this bench. And that actually was the blanket that was placed on my grandpa's um, casket and after he was buried, they took it, my grandma took it off and she gave it to me because I was one of my, you know, grandpa's favorites. I guess I shouldn't say favorites, but I spent a lot of time with my grandpa and my grandma knew that that would help me 
with my with my grieving and then right next right above it I actually have a picture of my grandma and so every day like I look at these and I think about my ancestors and it helps to guide my thoughts and it helps to guide my behaviors today at 55 years old because what I'm taught and what I want to do is pay respect to them by being a good human being and so they're so I just have these like these daily reminders to do that and when we bring those concepts back to what is native wellness and like I said about living in balance it's about becoming whole right being being that whole person when we're in grief we are our whole self if we were going to look at it as a circle some of them might be a little bit off balance right because we're not doing those things to take care of ourselves and so native wellness is always a it's a very um i guess dynamic model you could say it's it's about moving forward and always trying to do things to to be that whole person that's in balance to help us through grief and the idea too that grief can be part of that wholeness you know that you don't have to eradicate the grief in order to find that that wellness that balance that you can have that ongoing relationship and that respect for for the folks in our lives who have died and for what they have meant and what they continue to mean for us. Yeah, definitely. Well, and also like it like it's okay to grieve, right? Like it's it's okay to grieve. Like grieving is a natural part of of life, right? And and being okay with that and giving ourselves permission to grieve. Because I think you think about in the workplaces, for example, they'll, they might give you, you know, a day off as an example, or, you know, okay, well, you have, if the funeral's two hours long, you can take two hours, two hours off and then come back to work. <laughs> like that's really insensitive and, and unrealistic, but it's like giving ourselves um, the time and the space to grieve and being okay if a week later, a month later, a year later, two years later, like you're still grieving, you know, everybody as you know, everybody grieves in different ways, right? And sometimes society puts these, you know, pressures and, you know, conditions on us that we just have to break through those and really look at our cultural values and protocols, the things that there that are there to help us move through it in a good way. Mm-hmm. You've, you talk a lot in your work about this idea of taking a healthy risk. And I wondered if you had ideas about what a healthy risk might look like for someone in their grief. Mm-hmm. So first we have to understand what a healthy risk is, right? So a healthy risk is like doing something that you normally don't do. Taking a healthy risk is doing something that's stepping out of your comfort zone. Uh, taking a healthy risk is doing something that's going to help your own personal growth and development. So around grieving, then there's lots of things that we can do to take a healthy risk. One, for example, is like talking about it. Cause like grief and death aren't always things that we talk about for, for whatever, for whatever reasons. Right. So like taking that healthy risk to start a conversation about it, um, taking a healthy risk to reach out for help and support. And, and this is a really critical area because when a people um, have been traumatized or when a person has been traumatized, all, and that goes unhealed, um, one of the lasting behaviors is like our inability to ask for help. That's why asking for help is, is a healthy risk. 
So that could be a healthy risk when we're moving through grief. Like if we're struggling and man, we just, we can't stop crying or we can't get out of bed. You know, we can ask for help, especially if it goes on, right? Taking a healthy risk for our grief might be like listening to a podcast on grief. It might be going to a grief support a support group. It might be doing our own research in our tribal ways about what were our protocols and, and value systems if you don't know what those are, right? Also in our communities, when our traditions, our practice around grief and loss, if we have our own other trauma that's holding us back, for example, sometimes I'll call it cultural pain or shame, we may stay away from a traditional burial as an example. So taking a healthy risk to engage and things like that, those are ways that healthy risk taking can help us through grief. Well, listeners, you already took a healthy risk today by tuning into this episode by listening to a podcast (laughs) about grief. So congratulations. Yes. So as we come to uh, the end of our time together today, you know, you talked a little bit about Native Wellness Institute and like where you all started and what what the goal and the and the mission of the organization is. And wondering if you could talk a little bit about the the power hours that you started when the pandemics first hit last year, and if there's any that stand out that you might you think might be particularly related to grief that listeners might go back and watch. So. Back on March 9th, uh, we took our last work trip and we contemplated whether to do it or not, but we had this training in Florida and we had like 60 people coming. So we went ahead and went, like, as soon as we got there, like the whole country started shutting down. (laughs) I was like, oh, great. So we finished that. We came back, put ourselves into quarantine. That was on March 12th. March 13th, we had a staff meeting, like, okay, what's happening here? Because 80% of our work is out in community across the nation. And we're just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And that following Monday, we had a a board meeting. And then that following Saturday, March 21st, we brainstormed and we came up with this idea to offer these Native Wellness Power Hours. We knew that an already traumatized people would be re-traumatized in this pandemic. And we wanted to do our part. We wanted to, you know, do our contribution to help to lift up our people. And so we came up with a Native Wellness Power Hour. So every day, one hour a day, the same time, the same place, we offer one hour of workshops, of panels, of healthy cooking demonstrations, concerts, you know, things like that, just uplifting programming to help our people work on their wellness and healing while we're, while we're quarantined or while we're at home or, you know, whatever. And so we started out seven days a week because we've never been in a pandemic before, right? We didn't know what to expect or how long this would last. And then probably four months in, we cut it back to five days a week. So we're still on five days a week. This week, actually, I believe we're in work week 45. We've done over 250 power hours. So we have several on grief and loss, actually. So this summer, our elder board member passed away from COVID. And he really had prepared us for his death. And so we had a we had a power hour about that, just talking about, you know, grieving for him and the things that we were doing that helped us. And So that was the summer, you know, and he continues to guide and to help us even today when when we had experienced other 
loss and things like that as an organization, he would bring in that cultural piece. And, you know, if we needed to cry, we would cry, you know, then there was a time not to cry. There was a time to put those tears away and then to do this. Like, that's what I mean by like all the protocols are there to help us through. And even trauma impacts the way we grieve. So even like digging through those layers, right, of looking at how, how trauma impacts us. So all of our power hours can be found on our, our Native Wellness Institute Facebook page. And we also save them to our YouTube channel. The Native Wellness Institute has a YouTube channel. You can scroll through the 250 plus, um, all the titles are on there. And I really encourage and welcome people to check it out. And because you might find something that will help you through your, your grief and loss. There's healthy stuff on healthy relationships, stuff on stuff on trauma, stuff on healing, you know, comedy, like there's all kinds of songs. There's all kinds of stuff up there to help uplift people. And Jolene, are, are the Native Wellness Institute's power hours, are they open to folks who are not part of tribal communities? Yeah, they're open to anyone. So we have people that tune in from... Paris, I got this email from this lady the other day from Paris, France, like she's a regular, we have people have tuned in from Italy and um, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Uh, we had someone tune in from Ireland. So anyone, anyone is welcome. Okay, few because I've been watching a lot of them. So I want to make sure I wasn't being disrespectful in that way. And Jillian, one of my favorite ones that I watched was the one you did on your birthday when you talked about all of the teachings that you've received throughout your life. And uh, listeners, I highly recommend that one if you want to connect more with Jillian and learn more about her story too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I turned 55 that day. I know. Well, I feel like even on this podcast, um, like I'm being a little bit vague and stuff. But again, I'm trying to be respectful to our culture and the people that are tuning in though, you may have grieving protocols in your culture too, right? That, that maybe you can dig in and, and, and see what that is all about. And I think, I think really though, like when we all view death as a part of life, right? Like that, that helps, like it is, it is a part of life. Death is a part of life. And when we, don't make it such a taboo topic or something that that you don't talk about. When we do talk about it, that helps people can talk about it in a good way in a comfortable way. And, you know, like in our, in our family growing up, when I was a kid, we talked about our wishes when, when we pass, you know, and and things like that. So it wasn't a taboo topic. Well, Jolene, I really appreciate you joining me today to kind of help further that uncovering of the capacity to talk about grief and giving permission to discuss it and to do some research and and connect with the rituals and routines and traditions that are most helpful and supportive in in all of us creating wellness in our life. And, And thank you for the work that you're doing with your communities. And yeah, just for being on the show today, I really appreciate getting a chance to talk with you. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to be here and for the invitation. I appreciate it. And listeners out there, I'll put some links in the show notes so that you can find the Native Wellness Institute and the, and the Power Hours that we talked about. 
And if you are new to our show, thank you for joining us. You can find all of our past episodes at dougy.org or wherever you're listening to your podcast right now. And if you want to connect with me and let me know what the show means to you, or if you have an idea for a guest or a topic we should be talking about, you can send me an email directly at griefoutloud at dougy.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.